only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Day and welcome to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Good morning. Welcome to PR Insider again. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and Today's show is Selling Sexual Harassment. Um, Today is a continuation of our discussion that we had last week on our episode, Media Circus, with uh, journalist Rita Cosby and PR legend Fraser Seitel. And we talked about our job as publicists to navigate around the journalist when the story is big. And naturally, we talked about the topic of sexual harassment because if you have a celebrity in a sexual harassment scandal or any sex scandal, it inevitably becomes a media circus. So if you missed it, please archive it on the Voice America Business Network or go to prinsider.biz, and on the left-hand side, I have some archived um, uh, shows. Um, We did have a technical glitch last week, and the show started 45 minutes late, so I apologize for that, but check out the archive. Mark your calendars now. We air live every Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern Standard on Voice America Radio Network's business channel. So, When you're selling sexual harassment as a publicist, um, you must interact with a celebrity or a VIP's legal team. If you're on a legal team, you need to time how the word gets out to the public. Today, we're going to talk about some of the biggest sex scandals of our times, harassment, assault, molestation, discrimination, both from the legal and the PR perspectives and how they both interact with each other. Our Great panel. We'll discuss turning around public opinion when your client is being accused of the worst sexual violations or you're representing the victim. Uh, some of the cases that we're going to touch on, hopefully all of them, will be uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Chevron's famous class action lawsuit, um, Maury Povich's $100 million sex scandal, uh, Rob Lowe's nanny incident, uh, Clarence Thomas, of course, and uh, we will also talk to about uh, Monica Lewinsky and Michael Jackson a bit. I have uh, Monica Lewinsky's publicist coming on, so I'm very excited about that. Um, And also, just from a legal perspective, sexual harassment lawsuits are one of the fastest-growing areas of litigation. And in California alone, where this show is based, filings in this area have doubled in the past five years. Before we begin and meet our guests, I just want to take a second to thank our sponsor, Cision. Visit their website, us.cision.com. We do take call-ins and emailed questions, so email me now. Go to prinsider.biz to learn more and uh, sign up for email alerts. You can always get archived episodes there, and we will be giving away prizes, so make sure to look for that. Okay, on to today's installment, selling sexual harassment. I know, I know, I know, the topic sounds titillating, and yes, the word sex brings in ratings. I'm in PR and marketing, and of course I love ratings, and I understand these things. I'm not going to deny that. But that pizzazz is exactly why sex uh, harassment and assault and molestation stories in the news are amongst the biggest media circus events of our times. I mean, Letterman and Leno, they need fuel for their monologues, but sexual harassment is a very serious issue from from a moral standpoint, from a legal standpoint, and um, from a PR perspective. And historically, it's a relatively new issue. 
So I want to introduce our guests. Um, our first guest, Judy Smith, is founding partner of Impact Strategies, LLC. Make sure to put the LLC in there, otherwise you'll get to a different website. Um, her PR skills uh, have been put to the test for some of the most historic PR cases of our times. Uh, Monica Lewinsky, I mentioned, uh, Marion Barry, uh, Justin Clarence Thomas's uh, Supreme Court confirmation hearings, Enron, the impeachment of President Clinton, uh, Chandra Levy investigation, Riddick Bowe. She's a publicist and an attorney and has worked with some of the nation's most highly regarded corporations, uh, trade associations, and nonprofits. Um, some of them include Bell, uh, Bell South, Walmart, uh, Delatoit and Touche, Union Pacific, Nextel, and she's represented presidents of nations and several foreign countries and has worked on issues of public policy in this nation and she was even appointed special assistant to the President of the United States um, in uh, 1991 and uh, Deputy Press Secretary. Wow. Welcome, Judy. And um, my second guest, uh, David Greenberg of DiscriminationAttorney.com. He's a leading sexual harassment victims lawyer and a trial attorney with over 35 years of experience. His clients have appeared in the Los Angeles Times, 2020, and other media outlets uh, to talk about their cases. He's devoted to representing employers and employees in the area of employment law. Mr. Greenberg is also the founder of Litigation Avoidance Consultants, and he's published several articles, had several articles written about him, and he's admitted to practice before the U.S. Supreme Court, and he's also testified in a congressional subcommittee on uh, employment matters. Welcome to the show, Judy and David. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, it's good to have you here. Um, when you both heard that I was doing a show called Selling Sexual Harassment, what came to mind for you? Judy, I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, A, I thought it would be an interesting show, but um, I also think really that any time you have um, an issue like uh, sexual harassment that um, deals with two people, that it's, it, it is a... Uh, it is always a, a difficult one to to use your words, quote unquote, to sell it. But go ahead, David. Um, it, sexual harassment is a, actually a very interesting area of the law because uh, at some point um, it goes from want unwanted to wanted or wanted to unwanted. So that if it's consensual, consensual, it's not sexual harassment. If it's not consensual. Then, then it can be uh, sexual harassment. So it gets to be a very interesting area of the law because, um, it, it, by way of example, if it's uh, racial harassment or racial discrimination, it, it's never consensual. But in the area of sex, uh, it definitely can be consensual. And then it gets into a different area of, you know, can the person consent, by way of example, if the if the woman is in a uh, let's say a secretary to a boss and she ha decides to have sex with him, uh, can you really be in that position? And the law in some of these cases say no. By way of example, uh, a doctor uh, is not supposed to have sex with a patient, uh, even though quote she says, "Okay, I want to have sex with you." Or in the case of a lawyer, even uh, they're not supposed to have sex. With the client, so it's a very interesting area of the law. Well, you know what I think also makes it really interesting to go back to a point that you were saying is where you draw that line, um, where you go from 
consent to to non-consent and you know how believable people are on both sides of that uh, both sides of that coin right right well one of the i mean this this you know this conversation brings up to mind uh two cases that i mentioned earlier but mm-hmm. in terms of you know kobe bryant let's take a look at that case because um you know he was saying um you know, his his quote was, although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. Mm-hmm. That was his famous quote to get out of it. So from a PR perspective, you know, did you think that his um, he, he he was handled well? I mean, he first he lost all these uh, endorsements, and then he got all his, a lot of deals resumed again. Yeah, but I think on the Kobe Bryant, if we just look at it from from his perspective for a second, um, I think he did a good job, and I think for a few reasons. One, certainly, yes, in the beginning, um, lost a lot of endorsements. The other thing I think that, that I would have done a little differently just in terms of clients because you never know whether you're going to resolve it or whether you're going to go to trial, I don't think I would have come out to say that um, that I've committed adultery. I don't think I would have said that. Um but I think overall he did uh, very well because when you look at it, when it first situation first began, um, we heard all of these allegations about um, sexual assault, quite frankly. As the case moved on, if you go back and you trace the press, almost every week there was some story that came out about the woman that made her look incredibly, incredibly unfavorable to the uh, press. And that drumbeat was consistent. Right. So, so that was obviously orchestrated them, by that somebody. tremendously on, on, in that regard. Right. Somebody, somebody was orchestrating that. Go ahead, mm-hmm. David. In that area, um, basically the PR person and the defense attorney's job is the same. When we try a case, we're focused on two things like our client, hate the other side. <laughs> so even if your client, let's say, is, quote, bad or did something that has a negative connotation to the public, and the public is actually, you know, the jury. If there's 12 people on the jury, they're picked out of the public. So the PR person in in painting a good picture for the client or a bad picture for the accuser is basically doing the same thing. They're trying to get the jury or the public to not like the other person. And and in a trial, what happens is people go in with preconceived ideas, and then they listen to the evidence and fit the evidence into their preconceived idea. So if the PR person is doing a really good job before the case gets to trial, hopefully for for the accused, the the jury's going in not liking the accuser. Right. And that's basically where the PR person and the attorney are, are working to the same goal, to either like the defendant uh-huh. or or dislike the accuser. Well, this is a really good point because we're going to have to take a break in a couple seconds. But I think, you know, I want to take a look at how the two teams, because I know, Judy, you've had a, you're had you an attorney also, and you've had a lot of experience as a publicist working with attorneys. And I know, David, you had an experience working with the publicist. I want to examine the relationship and how you work together when we come back. Um, we've been talking with Judy Smith of Impact Strategies, LLC.com. 
And uh, I also want to, of course, talk about Clarence Thomas and Monica Lewinsky, just because I can't resist. <laughs> and David Greenberg of DiscriminationAttorney.com, uh, a sexual harassment victims lawyer. And we will be right back in a minute. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Is your job heavenly or closer to hell on earth? Maybe it's time you stop waiting on employers to make you satisfied and learn how to recognize your own career contentment. Jeff Garden and his expert guests show you how every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific when you tune into Career Contentment Radio on the Voice America Business Radio Network. Contentment is yours to control and easier to achieve than happiness or satisfaction. Precision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to PR Insider, sponsored by Cision. Visit them at their website, us.cision.com. They are the leading tool for publicists. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and we've been speaking with Judy Smith of ImpactStrategiesLLC.com, and we've been speaking with David Greenberg of DiscriminationAttorney.com. Thanks, guys, for waiting through the commercials. Um, so we were talking, um, and we wanted to look, take a little bit of a look at how you interact um, when you've been on a case where you're working with a legal team, uh, Judy, 
mm-hmm. and David when you're working with the PR team. So if you could share some stories uh, with us, that would be very insightful. Sure. I think from a from a PR perspective, really, um, we always, when we're working with um, legal counsel, the legal side of things, I think, has to be has to take the lead. Because whatever client you're dealing with obviously is in serious legal trouble. And from legal trouble, there's always consequences. So the way that we start out is working with the attorney and determining as far as we can tell what's the end game. On some cases, you want to settle. In some cases, you want to go to trial. So what we do is based on the legal strategy we create and develop a communication strategy that complements what the attorney would like to accomplish from a, from a legal perspective. And we work with them to help shape the messages and talking points and figure out what interviews would be best to, uh-huh. get, our, to get our message across. And it really, is a, it, it really is a good, cohesive team. So you really you really formulate a solid plan that that you that you you uh, that you hand out to the whole entire team and oh, everybody's absolutely. on the same page. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. From the lawyer standpoint, um, you basically want the client to talk through the lawyer or through the PR people, because obviously what the client says uh, can be used to impeach them, and you're not sure at that point whether or not you're even going to call the client to to testify at trial. So you want to keep all your eggs still in your basket as to whether or not the client is going to testify, uh, if they are going to testify, what they're going to say. And so you're never going to give the other side uh, a free line of impeachment. So whatever the PR person is going to say, they're going to say on behalf of the client and basically defend the client or uh, conversely attack the accuser, and the attorney has taken the same position. Some of these attorneys where they have press conferences and the client sitting there and they let the client talk is extremely dangerous. I would never do that. So you would never do that? Never. So because on the last show we gave an example of, um, of Michael Jackson uh, making that famous video on uh, YouTube, but it actually kind of seemed to work for him. I mean, in, in a strange way, maybe because that case was just so bizarre, um, but it sort of it sort of helped vindicate him, I think. Well, um, they did a great job of attacking the uh, the mother yeah. uh, of the child, and and that was really the the key strategy to it. Uh, they also I, I I assume that the PR people had a lot to do with this, but they had uh, the Michael Jackson fans constantly on television, uh, and the TV right. was constantly picking up on the fact that these people were supporting Michael Jackson, and there was, in essence, nobody supporting the the accuser. So that gave the perception to the public, and, and again, the public is the jury, that gave the perception to the public of, you know, the accuser are the bad people, and not necessarily the, the child, but the, the mother of the accuser. They, they, didn't, they did a great job of not attacking the child, but attacking the mother as, like, She's the the instigator of this. Right. She's the one that, you know, put this thing forward, and she's the bad person. Um, and everybody likes Michael Jackson. When you saw all the the people and kids at the courthouse uh, cheering for him or whatever, it, you get the perception: gee whiz, he's a good guy. Right. Uh, th- that was a great job. Yeah, I also think in 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 those cases, just staying on Michael Jackson for an example, that when um, the uh, the defendant in that case 
was able to talk and able to say something. That, to me, is sort of a prime example where something like that has to be very coordinated between the the PR person on board and the the legal team. Right. Uh, I am sure that whatever, you know, comments and script and that sort of thing um, that uh, was said, that that had to be approved by the um, by the legal team um, based on the fact of where we started from, which is that, you know, you don't want to put your client in a situation where they're saying something that could come back to you. Right. Uh, and, like, I think time. Kobe's, you know, famous sentence was, was said, you know, after he was in trouble and, you know, after sort of like the legal sec- section was over with. And, and also Clarence Thomas um, also made, you know, his his famous com- comment about it was sort of a discrimination comedy. It's a, it's a national disgrace, he said. Um, from, this is a lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. So he said that actually after he, um, you know, was sort of, it was all cleared. Um, so that was that was a really interesting case as well. I mean, the, the Clarence Thomas. Uh, it, it, that's kind of a foolish statement when the accuser, you know, was also a black woman, and he's and he's saying, you know, that the, well, the whole thing of blaming, lynching him because of uh, the uppity black. Uh, I mean, it. But you know what? I disagree with that. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think that way. I think the point that he was trying to make was that it's just with any race, that everybody doesn't think the same, that everybody doesn't have the same set of opinions. And because they don't fit or they might be consistent with what one is used to, that that person um, should not get punished for it. I think at least from a, a media or press perspective, what was interesting about that case was, and compared to Monica Lewinsky, it was really sort of the first time when you think about it that you had that issue on such sexual harassment issue on such a national stage. Oh. Um, yeah, which is just incredible. And, you know, that was sort of back when we were in the, you know, let everybody get home to watch the national news. But then when the Monica Lewinsky situation broke, you know, that was a little, that was different because that was when we moved into the 24, you know, 24/7 news cycle, which is which is very different ballgame. Right. Um, but so, tell, Judy, just tell us quickly, you know, what your involvement with the Clarence Thomas and the Monica Lewinsky cases, because that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, um, at the time, I was a special assistant and deputy press secretary to the president, wow. and uh, worked on several issues while I was at the White House, and. Um, you know, handling the press for uh, for Justice Thomas was one of them, and um, for Monica Lewinsky, that was uh, one of our first clients uh, when we started the firm. And um, this was after the incident, obviously, because she was a nobody before. The right? Incident. No, absolutely, absolutely. So and how did we, her family um, find you? You know, we handled the press for her, and you know, both of those cases I think are an example. I mean, just use Monica Lewinsky as a as an example. Something like that when she was in um, danger of getting charged uh, with crimes, what you say and how you say it, the attorneys that are involved, all those things are very, very critical. Right. And I could just imagine, you know, being her family, who I'm sure are the ones who hired you, um, you know, if your daughter and, and that's her, her permanent um, 
her permanent reputation, you know, is at stake here. But, I, I, you know, she went on to uh, get a, a degree from, uh, wasn't it, London School of Economics. Yes, that's right. And her, right. her paper, her thesis was In Search of the Impartial Juror and Exploration of the Third Person Effect and Pretrial Publicity. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I should have her on as a guest today because it's really, she lived it, you know. Yeah, she sure did. She, she sure did. Sure she came did. out okay, you know. Well, you know what, in a lot of those situations, I forget who said this, but, um, Someone said this coming out when they were charged. It was a public official who was charged with a crime, and when the trial was over and he was vindicated, he came out, uh, Dave, you may remember, came out and said, where do I go to get my reputation back? And um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times in particular because of the media world that we, you know, that we live in, it is 24-7. It is items that become fact just because they're repeated and in a lot of ways depending on which side you're on it Mm -hmm. certainly does affect one's uh reputation and perception that is important for a jury pool right and it's like if you could only you know be a fly on the wall because really you know sexual harassment all these cases are really um you know first person uh you know standpoint yeah. So it's hard. So it's 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 convincing the jury or convincing the public opinion of what really went down. That's right. It's amazing. Um, and you know something about Clarence Thomas that always um, interested me as a publicist is there were these two authors, um, uh, Jane Mayer and Jill Abramson. They were uh, sorry, they were reporters for Wall Street Journal. Uh huh. Do you remember this? I do. And I they wrote well. some yep. investigative book on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they believed that he lied under oath when he told the committee that he had not harassed Hill. And, and don't forget, there were three women that were, and they, you know, the, the allegations were pretty outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, but after he was sworn in, um, supposedly they they report that three reporters from the Washington Post burst into the newsroom almost simultaneously with the information that confirming that Thomas's involvement with pornography far exceeded what the public had been led to believe. And but then the story was just completely dropped by the Washington Post because he had already been confirmed. And my opinion was, the, the the paper felt the public was tired of the story. Like he had already been confirmed, and so what's the point of bringing up that he's got this pornography interest? And who cares? That but was, you know what? Let me ask you that though. Do you really think that that was the reason why? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you were on the it inside. Seems so to me, that in particular, how competitive the uh, the business is that yes people may have gotten a little tired of it but you know you you might still want to write about something like that in particular Supreme Court justices decide uh, you know issues of pornography I don't know if it was true or not but it it seems to me that if it if it were true I can't imagine somebody not writing about that ah so your feeling is that there was no truth in it. Uh, I just can't imagine a, a, a news outlet holding that kind of information. I, I just can't. I mean, maybe if someone said, okay, I'm going to wait and hold on to it until he decides his first pornography case. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, Something mm-hmm. to that. But and that was the least of the allegations because, you know, the guy watches porn. I mean, that's not the allegations that, were, that came out were much worse than that. Well, right. no, that's right. That's we, right. So we so, need to take a, take a break for a moment. Um, this is your host, Maureen Kettis on PR Insider. We are sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Remember to email me a question. If we use it on the air, we send you a PR credit card worth $500 off your next campaign at vertexpr.com. 
and a CD of the show. Go to prinsider.biz to learn more. And uh, we have been talking with Judy Smith of ImpactStrategiesLLC.com and David Greenberg of DiscriminationAttorney.com. And when we come back, we'll get some more opinions from David on the legal side of the Clarence Thomas issue. And we'll be right back. stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Cision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or an individual and you need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Mega Life and Health Insurance Company can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and individuals just like you who need affordable health insurance to get it. So call us right now. 888-459-4825. 888 4-8-2-5. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. If you're self-employed or an individual and you need affordable health insurance, call us now and see how we can help you. 888-459-4825. 888-459-4825. 888-459-4825. Home office, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Not available in all states. Benefits may vary by state. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home, yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again to PR Insider, sponsored by Cision. 
If you just joined us, I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and we're talking with Judy Smith of ImpactStrategiesLLC.com, who's handled some of the biggest uh, sex scandal cases and legal cases of our time, and David Greenberg of DiscriminationAttorney.com, a leading trial attorney. Um, I just wanted to continue a little bit on the Clarence Thomas case um, from uh, David's perspective, because we didn't hear from you too much on that. just from a legal perspective, you were saying um, that uh, that someone shouldn't appear in public and talk too much, and I think with Clarence Thomas that was the case. He didn't come out with his statement till the end. Well, he he had to talk as part of his confirmation, obviously, and, right. and was asked questions, so that was part of his confirmation. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't want. You don't want the client to talk extemporaneously. If the client's going to say anything, it's obviously going to be a prepared, more or less a prepared speech where the PR person and the attorneys, if pre-approved, they're going to get up, they're going to say their thing, and that's going to be the end of it rather than being exposed to a litany of questions by the, by the press. Uh, but this brings up another point. There's under sexual harassment, there's two sections of that. One is quid pro quo, and the other is a hostile work environment. So in the, sexu- in the Clarence Thomas, it was more a question of hostile work environment. The quid pro quo, very briefly, is uh, you have to sleep with me in order to get a promotion. You have to sleep with me in order to get the job, which gets back to umpteen years ago of the casting couch in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that was a famous terminology for, you know, the the producer calling in the starlet and and casting her on the couch, basically. basically. <laughs> I think, we, I think uh, most of us are old enough to know what the casting couch is. Okay. So, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. But in the Clarence <laughs> Thomas, it was more of a hostile work <clears throat> environment, and some of those examples would be um, uh, dirty pictures, dirty jokes, <laughs> dirty talk. Um, well, there was a third um, Thomas assistant named Sukari Hardnett, and she um, she didn't want to uh, press charges, but she did have to speak to the Judiciary Committee. And she said, if you were young, black, female, reasonably attractive, and worked directly for Clarence Thomas, you knew full well you were being inspected and auditioned as a female. It was a pretty strong statement, but she didn't press charges. So, so well, had a lot that fits of, uh, under the category more or less of uh, leering or stalking, um, you know, a, a woman pretty well knows if 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 a guy's looking at her and thinks she's attractive, or he's actually been leering. Right. Um, and, and you know, uh, probably most women would find it complimentary for a guy to look at her and think she's attractive, or even make you know nice comments. Gee, you know, your hair looks great today, or I love your outfit, or something like that, as opposed to leering, where it's going to make the person very uncomfortable. Right. And, and the thing about the work environment is if somebody in a work environment, you have to be there eight hours a day, you have to be there five days a week, you're trying to make a living, it's a captive audience. And, and usually it's a case of the male in a more dominant position than the female. And so the female really is in a position where it's very difficult to stop it from happening or fighting back, which was the Clarence Thomas situation. Mm-hmm. Although it has, there have been issues where it's been reversed with a powerful a woman in power and a younger Absolutely. guy. I've had those cases, too. Oh, you have? Absolutely. I, I had a case where the woman 
was a vice president of sales in a, uh, and she met the gentleman in a, I think it was a bar or a restaurant, and very, you know, not in, involved in a, an interviewing. And it was a sales position uh, that paid extremely well, way beyond anything he'd ever earned before. And she basically said, I've got a job opening. And they started dating. You know, he applied for the job. You got it. Um, but There's another opening wh- I want to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, you know, oh at Lord. the beginning it was, it was consensual. And yeah. then it oh, went it was from consensual. consensual to non-consensual. Ah. And then she fired him. Oh, wow. David, let me ask you a question. What goes into into a decision by a woman whether to file suit or not? You know, we're just sort of talking about you're saying one of the women in Clarence Thomas. What what kind of what goes into that decision? You think? Well, I, I'll deal with that from my standpoint of what goes into my accepting the case because okay. the woman uh, every case I take and almost every one of these cases has to be where the attorney is willing to take the case in a contingency mm-hmm. and advance all the costs because any type of lawsuit, especially something like this, is very expensive. So if I'm not willing to take the case on a contingency and advance the costs for for discovery and filing fees and experts or whatever, then the woman's never going to have her day in court. So when a woman comes to me, one of the first things I'm looking at is that a he said, she said, and that there's no proof of it whatsoever. Um, does anybody else know about it? Is it Was it consensual at some point? Uh, so I'm looking at it right away. How am I going to win this case? Is this woman going to be sympathetic? Uh, is the defendant a target defendant? Uh, there's no insurance for this type of case, so does the defendant have a lot of money? Uh, there's a lot of issues to look at, and, and or is it just a question of uh, I was fired and now I want to get even with the SOB or, it, you know, it was consensual and he dropped me and now I want to get even with him? There's a lot that goes into it from my standpoint because when you're all said and done, what I'm looking at is investing hundreds of thousands of dollars if I'm going to trial in a case of my time, effort, and money I want to have a pretty good shot at winning that case or at least being willing to settle it. And I don't take a case just thinking to myself, well, he's a target defendant, and so maybe he's willing to pay money. Uh, I want a case that I think is a just case if I'm representing the woman, that I think that I really believe her and I can sell that case to the jury. Wow, so you will step away from a case that you don't you think she's lying or trying to get money out of a guy. Absolutely. I wouldn't take the case and if it turns out that way, I would withdraw from the case. Wow, an honest attorney on Snyder. <laughs> Fabulous. That's amazing. Um that's you know, uh it's just it's it's refreshing to hear, so that's that's really um amazing. Um I also wanted to talk a little about um Maury Povich. Um, and we were trying, it's so funny because we were trying to find the outcome of the case and it's like nowhere on the web. Um, and you both were saying during the break that that's probably because it's settled. Now, Maury, Maury Povich, um, a producer from his show, uh, this is a few years back, uh, a female, filed a $100 million sexual harassment lawsuit against him and a couple other members of his staff, um, one of them who I know actually. Um, and they, she was claiming that, that they barraged her with sexual remarks and made her watch porno movies, and she had to expose her body in order to um, 
you know, uh, get the good story. Now, so it's, he does trash TV, and he's he's married to Connie Chung and all that. Um, and he, and the, the and the NBC um, uh, PR people came out right away and made very strong statements about we stand behind our team and our staff and um, and and all that. But um, how, what kind of what goes on when you know you've got these PR teams and this, these legal teams, and somehow it just sort of dissipates out of the news? I mean, just it settles. What happens? Well, I, I, as, as we were talking about doing break, I thought it was interesting that you can't find it because it, it, I'm guessing that it, um, that it did settle. The other thing I thought was interesting was usually in those types of cases, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, the, you know, the person involved would have an attorney and the attorney would make a statement. I thought it was interesting in that situation that NBC made the statement. Um, instead of his, uh, instead of his personal attorney. Yeah, and, of course, we don't know what kind of contract he had. Right. Um, you know, with NBC, whether, whether they had to defend him on something like that, because of the nature of the show, he, he probably had some kind of contract with NBC that, uh, any type of lawsuit, uh, would be defended by NBC and, mm-hmm. and they would bring in their attorneys and, Publicity people, but the the fact that it didn't seem to have gone to trial, um, and we didn't hear any more about it, strongly suggests that there was a settlement. And it's almost standard in these type of settlements where there's a confidentiality clause. Both sides have to agree that they're not going to talk about these cases. Um, there's usually a neutral recommendation for employment. Uh, I call it name, rank, and serial number. So if somebody calls up and and asks the employer, did this person ever work there? How were they a good worker? Why did they leave or whatever? Uh-huh. The employer only says, you know, these are the dates they worked there. Uh, these are the dates they left, and that's about it. Right. Um, so uh, the case may very well have settled. It doesn't necessarily imply that it settled for money. It could have been settled. Right. Um, from a standpoint of, you know, mutual release. Well, I think I'm getting the music and uh, <laughs> that we need to take a break. Okay. So uh, this is your host, Maureen Kettis on PR Insider. We're sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. We've been talking with Judy Smith of Impact Strategies, LLC, and David Greenberg of discriminationattorney.com. Uh, please join us back in a minute. Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, 
Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Cision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's media database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com. The Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Listening to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again to PR Insider. We're sponsored by Cision. Uh, if you missed any of our show, go to prinsider.biz, and we provide a link to my um, host page on Voice America's business channel. You can check out archived episodes there. Remember, we're on demand 24-7. If you just joined us, I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and we're talking with Judy Smith of Impact Strategies, LLC, who just postponed a conference call to stay online with us, and David Greenberg of DiscriminationAttorney.com. David, during the break, you were talking about um, civil versus criminal charges. you want to explain the relationship there a little sure. bit? Sure. Um, if you remember in the uh, Kobe situation, they set the... Uh, district attorney to file criminal charges for assault and battery. And the standard of proof in a criminal case is a higher standard of proof. It's beyond a reasonable doubt. In a civil case, it's the, it's a lower standard. It's more likely than not, which means uh, you could have a 49% doubt, but as long as you believe uh, a little bit more than you disbelieve, 51% or 50.1%, then then the plaintiff wins, where in a, a criminal case, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. So if the person is convicted of the assault and battery uh, in the criminal case, the civil lawyer basically is going to win automatically. So the civil attorney in those cases generally sits back and waits to file the case until the criminal case is over. 
and and I think what we've been talking about so far in those situations like um, Kobe and um, uh, with Michael Jackson, uh, the criminal cases were going forward, and then when um, when, I, when they settled or whatever, yeah, they settled, and and then the the civil case was over with. Right. Um, so. Th- we're looking at you know a different perspective. Obviously, if there's no criminal case going on, then there's no Fifth Amendment right. If there's no chance of being able to prosecute the person for the uh, for a criminal charge, then the person can't take the Fifth Amendment. If I file a civil case and there's a potential for a criminal case, the person's going to take the Fifth Amendment. So I'm going to sit and wait until the criminal case is over with. Well, I got some questions from um, some listeners, and um, this is from Dean in Virginia. This is a very pragmatic question. How much money does it take for good PR for that focused time around the time of the charges? Do you increase charges attention, or does it remain as a part of the term contract with the client? So that's a kind of a good question for you, Judy, I think. How much money does it take to get your, you know, the public? (laughs) No, I I think um, initially when something, uh, when something happens, just given the news cycle, that there's a lot of attention and a lot of focus on it. During the period where you're getting, if you do go to trial, when you're getting prepared to go to trial, you know, there's a there's a down period um, there because you're actually filing. Uh, motions, you get discovery, you're getting ready, and it's not that much. Uh, it's not that much press attention. Mm-hmm. You usually pick that back up when uh, when you when you go to trial. So you charge on a per uh, time, like time being used basis. Uh, PR firms usually charge one of two ways. It's usually on a flat uh, retainer, or it's just like uh, attorneys. They uh, also charge right. by the uh, hour. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's what we do over here. Yeah. For tech. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another question I got. Does good PR act? Oh, that's not that's not proper English. Does good PR actually affect legal case outcomes? If so, is that ethical? I think the answer. <laughs> I know what my answer is. But how do you feel? I think honestly, I think it does. It's an interesting topic. It's a a topic that I constantly think about in my head because I think when the Justice system. When you look at sort of what represents it, sort of the the you know the woman and the scale of justice. I don't think that when we started this that we took into account or the effect that media uh, and PR would have uh, would have on a on a case. But but yeah, I just think right. that we live in a society now where uh, people are very much concerned about that from the judges who decide the case on down, you know, right. how's it going to I mean? Think about the O.J. Simpson case right. where the judge got criticized so much about how uh, he handled his demeanor in the courtroom and all those sorts of things. So, and, and it yeah. affects, you can't help it, it affects the public oh, opinion. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. PR is generally a defensive game. I mean, PR people do a great job uh from an offensive standpoint, selling somebody, but in these cases, it's it's almost always a defensive posture because uh, the person is famous. If I file a sexual harassment case against Joe Blow, mm-hmm. um, employer or Joe Blow, whoever, 
uh, doctor, lawyer, whatever, if that's not famous, if that person isn't famous, either from the standpoint of the um, the accuser or the accused, it's it's not going to get any publicity whatsoever. So you don't need public relations. It's only when one of the two is is famous enough for the media to want to pick it up that you then bring in the public relations people and then it's from the standpoint of again defending the accuser um, and and trying to get the publicity to the point where before the people get on the jury panel um, they haven't developed a jaundiced view of the case or of the accused right and I think you know part of it too is um, because I've been in a, in a couple of really big, big, giant cases where the whole world is watching, and, and I get a, you know calls from lawyers, and they want to work hand in hand. Um, but it's it's you know it's getting your side of the story out. I mean, people think you know OPR is just you know the spin and creating falsehoods, but really it's getting your truth out. Um, and, you know, we dealt a little bit on that last week, but it really is t- telling the story. Um, uh, you know, truthfully. So here's another question that kind of goes into the issue of truth. How do you – well, actually, Dave, David, before we get to this question, uh, if a client comes to you, let's say they are a nobody, um, they're just a CEO of a company, what is the first thing that you tell them that they need to do? Like they come to you and they go, I'm in trouble. Um, this You're usually representing victims, but let's say you get a, a guy who's on the other side. What do you, what do you say to them? Uh, I want to know – Let's assume they are about to be accused or they've already been accused or they think they're going to be accused. I, I try to give them a very, very straightforward, whatever you tell me that happened already, nobody can make me testify. You, you know what happened. She knows what happened. I don't know what happened. If you lie to me, you will lose this case. So I try to very strongly impress upon the person to tell me the truth because there may be emails out there that this person hasn't told me about. There may be photographs. There may be other witnesses. There may be people that saw him in a restaurant. There may be credit cards uh, to show that they went to dinner together or whatever the case might be. I try to very, very, very strongly impress upon them they have to tell me the truth. That's right. the most important and, single thing. And that Judy I... gets those those uh, talking notes uh, <laughs> coordinated with the attorneys. Well, I think, believe it or not, that's all the time we have left today. Um, I want to thank my incredible guest, Judy Smith of Impact Strategies. Go to impactstrategiesllc.com. And David Greenberg, go to discriminationattorney.com. Thanks, uh, Cision, my sponsor. Go to us.cision.com. And uh, I want to thank my executive producer, John Missile and my nephew, Doran Roberts-Kettis, who composed our theme music. Go to PR Insider, sign up for our weekly reminders and email your questions and comments, and uh, mark your calendars. We're on live every Tuesday, 9 a.m., 12 noon Eastern time. Join us next week for Navigating the Media Jungle with our guest, David Coppathorne of Aquarius Advisors and PR strategist for Cision, our sponsor. Until the next time, this is your host, Maureen Kettis. Have a great week. Don't forget to relate to your public, whoever they may be.
Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. And have a great week.